Hello, and welcome to the CDO interview series. Uh, my name is Pat Haller. I'm with CDC. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Chris Hickok from Home City Ice. Chris is the Chief Information Officer. Chris, welcome. It's great to uh, see you today. Thank you for having me. Very excited for the conversation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Look, we're looking forward to diving into um, innovation and digital transformation with you and, and what it means at Home City Ice. So uh, let me start there. What what does innovation mean to you or, or what does innovation mean within your organization at Home City Ice? Well, one of the things that really excites me about tech is the opportunity for the amount of leverage that some of the uh, very simple solutions can bring to the business, right? So, you know, rewind the clock back 15, 20 years ago, I wasn't in tech yet, but so few processes were digital, right? Everything was kind of analog, paper, et cetera. And so we've kind of gotten through a phase where there's very little paper and pencil left in the business. So all the basics, all the all the groundwork is covered. So innovation for us uh, now comes to how do we take the tools that have been implemented over the last 10 or 15 years and really kind of supercharge those results. So for us, we're kind of in an, in an interesting space because there's, uh, I guess you could call it vertical integration. We both manufacture and distribute our own packaged ice. So the distribution for us goes all the way down to the direct store delivery model. So a lot of firms are kind of selling their fleets and running from this. Transportation is so darn expensive, right? And so we have this whole space, whether uh, it starts all the way up at that manufacturing vertical, goes all the way down the distribution to our stores and the maintenance of all of the assets in both manufacturing and distribution. So for us, innovation looks like, how do we make our teams more efficient? Mm -hmm. How do we take the, the same amount of um, input from our from our people and get more out of it, right? And so um, one of the things that we've been very interested in and as a, as a department has been in the logistics space, because when you're driving 14, 16 million miles in a year, it doesn't take much in terms of an, a piece of efficiency to be able yeah. to supercharge results. So we've done things like um, implementing uh, route optimization algorithms, automatic scheduling of drivers and trucks, um, on the manufacturing side, trying to better plan for demand um, and logging and, and, and whatnot of those results so that um, our people can be the most efficient possible because we, we believe heavily in um, on commission. So we, you know, if someone's more productive, they get kind of a share of that wealth. And so we've got this cool arrangement where our managers, our drivers, our production are all kind of tied at the hip with us. And as they see these gains, we see these gains and we all, the whole business moves forward. So it's a very exciting time um, and sort of that API economy that's out there, we've been able to plug in a number of solutions directly into our stuff where we're not doing a lot of the heavy lifting. It's just an integration piece. But optimization is a great example. Yeah. Uh, we utilize a partner there, run our, our routes through it. And over the 14, 15 million route miles, our numbers show it saves anywhere between 5 to 10% of that. So think of the carbon footprint reduction, the driver productivity, lack of fuel, lack of maintenance, all that stuff. So uh, it's kind of get a, a, easy to get excited for the opportunities yeah. that are out there in this form. What's a, what, and you 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 asked a couple or you led me into like um, one minute the KPI. How are you how are you tracking and measuring? You know that yes. innovation goals. How how are you doing that? So it's I love our culture. Uh, it's a very interesting thing because um, investment is there as long as you can show that there are results, right? And so. Um, it's very easy to kind of say, well, we know or we feel like our gut tells us that this is better. Yeah. So when we report those uh, results to the executive team and the board, and they're like, okay, I, I get the gut, but uh, let's let's go in depth there and see what that actually means. Uh, and so for us, we've uh, sort of refined the discipline of, of doing 
don't know if you want to call it a study, some sort of results proofing to where in the case, let's just, I love bringing it to something specific rather than just talking in generalities. But in the case of optimization, we took what all of our routes by default were spit out as that our drivers would do. So they're, they're visiting anywhere from 12 to 18 stops in a day. So okay. here's the default order that comes out. Here's the order that you've been running it in. Now let's apply this API on top of it that optimizes the driver's routes. Compare the two and over the aggregate over a large enough sample that's anywhere between five and 10%. I think it's like seven and a half percent on average. So it doesn't okay. sound like much, but given the, the cost of the API. Well, I was going to ask you, what does, that, what does that translate into um, for the business? Yes. So for us, the implementation was a pretty light lift. Um, wasn't, a, wasn't a ton of time on our side. Um, and it's a it's a sub six figure expenditure annually just to be able to to push a button and have that seven to eight percent. And as fuel and maintenance and labor costs rise, you know that that kind of stays in check, that keeps in check along. So um, it's been a huge thing for us. And there's you know probably 10, 15 other examples off the top of my head that we've been able to do that. So it's really great to work for a company that sees the benefits in that investment. But you better believe you got to prove that it's it's, yeah. it's worth it, right? Yeah. Well, well how, and, and, you know, obviously you're chief information officer, the IT team, you guys are probably leading in this, but how do you, how are you driving, you know, that, that are communicating the organ's vision and mission, you know, as it relates to innovation and digital transformation through your team and, and really, you know, helping to create that culture that you're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. So they, uh, the notion, if you build it and they will come, I think I may have started my technology career with that. That's not the case. That's not how that works. You can yep. build it and everybody walks right by it and has an idea what you're talking about unless you get out there and get in front of that. And so what I mean by that, within the last two years, we've made a move to um, a heavy product model within our organization. So mm -hmm. each of our lines of business verticals have a product manager that is not writing code, is uh, you know somewhat speaking tech to the development team. But on the front side, they're getting out in front, partnering with uh, people on the executive team. Uh, and the leaders that they designate as, as people that can kind of speak for the organization. So they're getting the ideas, the wants and the needs from the bottom up and then mm -hmm. getting that blessing of, all right, hey, here's how we move forward. Uh, and so when you involve people from the beginning, um, I think there's this, I think every technologist wants to feel like they're Steve Jobs. You know, they, the consumer doesn't know what they want until you tell them what it is. That's that's. I don't think in practice, I don't think we're all Apple here. So being yeah. able to partner with them and say, all right, what really are your pain? Yeah. And don't don't jump straight to a solution. I'm not saying tell us what to do. We're not you know order takers, but tell us what the pain points are, and we can suggest ways to to get in there and and uh, solve those issues for you. So I think by involving people to begin with, um, you're not speaking to a problem that doesn't exist. Um, it's not a you know a, a solution looking for a problem. We've actually put something out that's solving something. So that makes it a lot easier. But even with that, it's constant engagement. Um, yep. You have to be constantly engaging the business because just to say, hey, we built this thing, here it is, um, that's not enough. It's, right. it's kind of safe. Well, yeah. yeah, I used to have a, an old boss that always just, you know, sales, he used to talk about forecasting. It's a process, not an event, which basically means you're doing it. So how how do you, you know, within your organization with Home City Ice, how do you continue to ensure that that, that innovation you know, there's, there's changes is a process and it's not an event, a one-time event. Hey, we did that. We're done. No, we, we have to continue right. to do that and continue to evolve. Yeah, absolutely. So we, it's interesting. We implemented a framework, a business framework uh, this last year called EOS, uh, the Entrepreneurial Operating System. And so what it is, is a uh, strategic planning framework, but goes beyond that and takes it down to a cadence of meetings, milestones, checklists, et cetera, to be able to say, 
all right, where are we going as a company? Where do we want to be uh, in five years? All right, what do we think we want to do within the next year to help contribute to that? What do we want to do each quarter? So while it sounds kind of like table stakes stuff for business, uh, it's stuff that it's a discipline that a lot of companies aren't in. And so it's very easy for us to, within that framework, say, okay, where as a company do we want to be in this five-year, one-year, whatever it is? And so within that, we can we can help to push it. A recent example of that is, is but you know, with the labor crunch, everyone uh, we would go into convenience stores and it wasn't us, just us. It was a, a lot of vendors. You would see just empty shelves. You know, what in the world? You know, a, a beverage case completely empty. We're asking the question, why, why is that happening? People couldn't get drivers, right? And so for us making those, like I mentioned, drivers as productive as possible um, was sort of one of our solutions. Obviously, we wanted to make sure, make the employee experience as good as it could possibly be. Um, so we came up with a couple innovations uh, within our space. One was that our customers dealt with us on a receivables basis, completely analog. We were we're talking it, it hadn't changed in 20, 30 years. So within yeah. the last year, um, we've put customer facing technology out that essentially allows for customers to pay us digitally. And so we're moving away from those manual cash handling. Cash handling ended up being 10 to 15 percent of drivers day. Uh, and so we've taken those pieces away. And they're able now just to focus on delivery. So again, might not sound like much, but increase right. each driver's productivity 10 to 15%. Uh, it's a huge, huge thing. Um, so within that, it's starting at the top and saying, all right, where are we trying to go? So it's not the IT team out here inventing things like, hey, I think maybe this would help or that would help. It's right. very nestled into sort of a strategic framework that um, when the solution comes, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, this is the problem we agreed on. And thanks for thanks for solving it. Awesome. Well, and kind of the final question, but it's not occurred you mentioned it like with the empty shelves, like competitively or or just the, the industry you're in. Why, why is it so important that you're constantly innovating and, and transforming the business? What you know, what does that mean from a competitive perspective to you? Absolutely. So there's one of two things, either, you know, if everyone in the uh, in the industry kind of has uh, all their ducks in a row, you know, service is, a, is an equalizer or is not a differentiating factor. So mm -hmm. if, if we don't sell a bag of ice, we sell the service to make sure you have it when you need it due to the, the seasonality curve of the business. Right. Sure. And so, you know, I if all services being equal, then what we do can be a cost reducer to keep us in line competitively with pricing. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you now that service is not equal. There are a, a number of competitors we've gained ground on just by being able to implement some of this stuff. And so, you know, you talk about a 10% here for cash handling or an 8% there for route optimization. You start to layer all these Lego bricks on there and the same input is going to give you a lot more output. Um, and so for us, that that's the that's the big thing. And also, you know, to the point where all right, we get to a, the level of service the customer expects. Now we can also reduce costs in there, keep our costs competitive and in line with else and become, you know, tech in that case, becomes a huge strategic and competitive driver. Awesome. Well, the final question is it, it's kind of a two parter. But in terms of that, like what? What are the biggest challenges as it relates to that? You know, because it, it sounds like you guys are, are well on a path and, and you've done a lot of things or I don't want to say maybe necessarily the low hanging fruit, but you, you, you've tackled a lot of things. Like what are the what are the, the the next things or what are the biggest challenges you see facing that you can really continue to innovate on? And then, yeah, what what does the future and that kind of leads into what does the future look like for Home City Eyes? What do you what do you see as the next big um, innovation? Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, for us, the I, I talk about all this stuff like we're seasoned pros and this is just easy and you know I can do it in my sleep, blindfolded, upside down, et cetera. 
Um, but the case really is that we're, we're sort of new in this um, process, this framework that I've mentioned. And so while it's got us more than we ever have been singing from the same sheet of music, so to speak, uh, we need more reps for it to be that sort of automatic type thing. And so sometimes, and maybe that's just business, maybe that's just humans trying to work together. Um, we agree on a problem, we agree on a pain point, uh, but there's 30 ideas of how to get to the solution. So I think for us, iterating that, just becoming a more refined machine that we can move faster, uh, I think is is probably going to be the next big thing with within that space. All right, but let me say, I'll say that's the next big challenge for us to tackle. Okay. So we've got a process. It's not necessarily ad hoc. It's definitely repeatable. So that that piece is maturing. Uh, but I think as humans, we get a little bit more used to it. We get used to that process. Life's going to be a lot easier for all those involved. Um, but from a specific innovation and technology standpoint, uh, the thing that's got me very excited right now is um, what generative AI is going to do for the business. And so um, not disparaging anyone on the sales or marketing side of a technology firm. Please don't hear that. But as a, as a <laughs> enterprise technologist, I get very kind of worn down by the hype cycle on items. So, you know, you first get into the, the tech space and you think, oh, wow, this is going to change it all, whatever yeah. this is. Um, and then a lot of times you realize, wait a second, this was way overhyped for what it is. You know, either A, it's take a step backwards in cost or, or something and don't really gain uh, momentum. So, you know, generative AI pops out. I think we're all like, whoa, wait a second. Because um, it just happened. You know, there weren't a ton of people predicting this thing to, to come out. And I see it and I also start to see the hype. And I'm like, uh oh, here we go. You know, same, same kind of thing. Uh, but the more I've dug in, I realize, no, this this has the potential to be as transformative as some of the major, you know, internet networking technologies, uh, what they did for us in the past. Uh, so for us, we're right now kind of working through how do we integrate our data uh, with generative AI? Um, and then yet the thing, the, the big piece that I see is that I feel like self-service business intelligence has always been somewhat of a, of a pipe dream. You know, you can put it out there, you can use it, but it's still a heck of a lot easier to you know, ask a, a ask an analyst or ask an IT person to get that data out for you. Uh, yeah. But the ability to sort of natural language query um, enterprise data, and then anyone can quote unquote do a Google search for what they're looking for within the within the um, data sphere. I think that's going to really speed up the business's ability to get data, use data, et cetera. So they've always been really great about wanting it and using it. Unfortunately, at times, I feel like we can be a bottleneck because we we do have a lot of control over those resources. And so um, I think it, it can really have some benefits for us. And there's a number of other ones, but that's the, the most obvious and, and kind of concrete use case. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Chris, it's it's, it's really been a pleasure. I, I appreciate you, you taking some time to, to talk with me and, and and discuss what you guys are doing. It sounds like you got a lot of exciting things going on at, at, at Home City Ice. So um, again, please remember to visit uh, cdomagazine.tech uh, for additional interviews and be able to watch this one. Awesome. Have a great day. Thank you. Appreciate your time.